Hello and welcome to Unsound Theories. I'm Kat. I'm Kira. And we watch movies with no sound and no subtitles and try to figure out what in the furry hell is going on. <laughs> Spoiler. We don't. Meow. Oh my god, that was the worst meow I've ever done in my life. Meow. <laughs> fucking clocked this movie okay how, how is how is your watching experience first of all uh hellish hellish i started falling asleep which happens a lot when i'm watching movies for unsound theories i would like literally fall asleep during the movie <laughs> i mean i can't blame you too much it's basically like no stimulation brain goes shut down yeah yeah that makes sense do we want to do like a quick plot summary and then go over what we thought the movie actually was about? Like that's that's one thing that I did want to talk about because like the we've been talking about the plot. We've been talking about what happens in these movies we watch. I want us to talk about what the movie's about. Okay. So I have a couple of theories about I have a couple of theories derived from plot points that give me an idea of what the movie is about. Okay, let's start with the setting of the movie, because I yes. I did some some work here. Okay, um, I I I looked at the well first. My, my first thing was um, our main character Swifty, mm -hmm. the fox. We didn't even say what fucking movie we watched. No, we watched Arctic Dogs. Yeah, about a fox. A movie about foxes. <laughs> It'll be in the title. Like, it's in the episode title. They'll know what yeah, we watch. They'll know. It's fine. Anyway, so there's a, there's, a, there's a scene where he has a calendar. And it's his, like, review day at work or whatever. Mm -hmm. But His annual review. Yeah. So, I noticed that July 1st on this calendar was a Sunday. So I looked up which years July 1st falls on a Sunday. <laughs> this is beyond what I would have done. <laughs> but go ahead. So we've got a pretty big range. Um, this this um, tool I use spans 400 years. Uh, okay. So we're going to add some, uh, some more evidence because there's any number of years it could possibly be just based on July 1st is a Sunday. So we're going to have to use some technology clues. I noticed a plastic water bottle that I haven't seen in use since I played soccer at like age nine. The one that's got like the, the one that has like the middle dip. Yeah. And yeah. the yeah. plastic cap with the sports nozzle that like, yes, people used to chew on and it would get real gnarly <laughs> exactly that water bottle <laughs> everyone has a childhood memory of that water bottle that exactly puts us, right i think that puts us in a bit of a range so years that july 1st um was on a sunday in mm -hmm. the range where those water bottles were popular uh we've got 1984 1990 2001, 2007, 2012 is kind of pushing it. I haven't seen one in 2018. Um, so I think we're somewhere in that range. I'm thinking I feel it's like you said 2001. 2001 is one of the options. I think it's 2001 because I okay. have some theories. OK, well, there's other things complicating this. OK, um, so was this a movie for children? Yes, ostensibly. 
Okay, because there is a mecha walrus with a tentacle dick grabber. I th- yeah. Um I'm pretty sure this is a movie for children. So the presence of the of the mecha walrus does throw off our our date estimates somewhat because some okay. of the technology present is but the mecha walrus is not anachronistic if we're talking 2001 because in the movie Wild Wild West starring Will Smith, it was established that in American history, there was already a giant walking spider and a guy who had spider legs instead of a wheelchair. Okay, so this so, is the, we're taking place in the Wild Wild West universe for this mm-hmm. one, you're saying. I had a different theory. My theory was that this takes place in the far, far future after... There's been a a colony established in the Arctic of genetically engineered furries, and this is post-apocalyptic. And so they have to just sort of scrounge whatever uh, came to hand, which is why, you know, the the water bottle from the 90s is there because, like, you can't just let that go to waste. So does the rabbit who owns a bookstore in town have a printing press? Very possibly. And is he, is there an, anim, it, it, there wasn't animalese, they just used English, right? Right, right, yeah. So these are, these are human, like transhumanist furries that engineered themselves to be like animals. Okay, that's interesting. Yes. I guess there are people with mouse sonas, never mind. I was good, yeah, I mean, you... Yeah, exactly. Okay, here's... Do the engineered humans... Like, they say... they, they When they... The movie does a three-year time skip, which they say 21-dog-year time skip. Yeah. Do the... Do the bioengineered transhumanists have, like, shorter lifespans because they age like dogs? That's a good question. Also, do foxes age like dogs? I don't think so. So already... Hold on, let's figure this out. Life expectancy of an Arctic fox is 14 years. Okay. If they're living in captivity or civilization, as it were. That's like about the same as a dog, right? Depending on the breed. It really depends on the breed. Yeah. But like, average is probably around like 10... So it's it's hard to tell. Like a Great Dane is going to live for six years, which means the entirety of the Scooby-Doo canon happens within six years. (laughs) Uh, What about Huskies? From a pup named Scooby-Doo all the way through um, the Hex Girls. Six years. That is impressive. That that's a lot for those teenagers who who were at the time literal children. In a yeah. pup named Scooby Doo. Yeah. Um. What? How long do huskies live? This is important. Twelve to fifteen. Twelve so, yeah, to fifteen. About the same. Okay. So I think that makes sense. This town is bizarrely shipping centric. And by shipping, you mean you mean parcel delivery? Yes. Not relationshiping. Right. Right. There's very little relationshiping. There's at least two canon couples. Oh, true. Yeah, true. So this entire town revolves around the like mail company Arctic Blast Delivery Service. Um, I don't know. So like, okay, yeah, the it's the, this entire town revolves around this shipping service, right? Mm hmm. I don't know who is shipping all these packages or where they're shipping to. Unless they're like a central mail location for the entire region. And they're like a shipping hub and a hub and spoke system. We don't see evidence of any other colonies, which is what makes me think this is somewhat post-apocalyptic. And the furry, but the transhumanist furry mailing? colony. That's a really good question. We see a few things that get mailed. Um... The rabbits get a shipment of carrots, which would imply that other colonies have survived the apocalypse because it's definitely post-apocalyptic, right? right? I didn't really think about 
I bought into the in-universe fiction. I didn't try okay. to make it a real, real life. Like, although I guess I did. Okay, <sighs> so my theory is that it happens in two thousand or two thousand one. Two thousand one. Because I think the spider walrus yeah. is actually trying to drill for like oil and natural gas, and he's trying to disrupt the town by causing global warming to accelerate thereby forcing all the residents of tundraville or whatever it was called taiga town taiga town he was trying to force all of the residents of taiga town out of their homes so that he could drill for natural gas to sell it to the u.s government in 2001 isn't he pre 9-11 though trying to well, his original design for the drilling was like a geothermal-powered mail delivery system. Yes, geothermal-powered pneumatic tubes. Yes. But I think he's actually looking for natural gas or oil in the Arctic. And because they're like legal residents of the Arctic, they have land rights and can actually drill. Okay. To sell it to the U.S. government. So this is a world in which the transhumanist furry colony is recognized as some sort of a sovereign legal... state. Yeah. Did that happen in 2001? No, I think that would have had to have happened in the 90s. Okay. So this is in this is so we're in AU territory for sure. Yes. Okay. I just okay, so we should probably run down the characters <laughs> so we're not just talking about random things. I mean, I guess, yeah. Okay, so there is our main character who is a fox named Shifty or something. Swifty. Swifty. He is a complete dipshit. Um, so my interpretation of this movie is that Shifty is actually a trans guy. Okay. Not to make everyone trans, but there's like a couple of points where it's like, okay, yeah, he looks up. At first I thought he was a dog because he looks like a fucking dog. He doesn't look like a fox. Yeah. I mean, this is the genetically engineered furries. So like any of the the sort of... Or a fog. And any of the like canine adjacent ones look pretty similar. That's true. His girlfriend didn't look the same though. No, no. I mean, she actually had fox coloring. Uh, well, he could have. He was an Arctic fox, and she was a red fox. Yeah, I did also notice that the movie is a who's who of shitty Hollywood men. Mm-hmm. James Franco, Alec Baldwin. Did I miss anyone? Uh, Jeremy Renner and uh, the one Monty Python dude who sucks ass. <laughs> Which one? Uh, John Cleese? Cleese. Oh yeah, no, he's in everything. Like, he's in everything. There's... Because, like, people like to cast him because, oh, it's a Monty Python actor. <laughs> yeah. Now, the only... There there are exactly two Pythons who get a pass. One of them is Graham Chapman, because A, he's dead, and B, <laughs> he was gay. And the other is Eric Idle, and that's only because I can't imagine a universe in which Eric Idle is a bad person. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen him in much of anything recently. He's in the... Are you familiar with the Disney ride, The Journey into Imagination, that they have at Epcot? I'm pretty sure I've been on it, but I I don't remember it. Were you on it before 2001? No, probably Uh, not. Okay. It's the one with the purple dragon named Figment. Oh, yeah, I do remember that one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. In the new version that they've released in, I think, either 1999 or 2001 of that ride, um, Eric Idle plays a scientist who gets harassed by Figment for the entire length of the ride while Figment and he talk about imagination. It's not as good as the original but that's only because I remember seeing the original as like a very young child and being entirely enamored with it. And <laughs> Fair. Then getting like a figment t-shirt or something like that. Uh-huh. 
Uh, obviously, I outgrew that because I'm no longer a small child. What? So anyway, this movie. Yeah. This movie. Um... <laughs> Can I just, before we get deep into the theorying. Okay. I want to, I have a note here. Wait, is this just like Balto, but for furries? And then immediately followed up with, okay, wait, Balto was Balto for furries. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) I've Uh, never met a furry who doesn't love that movie. If any of our listeners are furries and you don't love the movie Balto, uh, tweet at us with the hashtag. Hashtag I'm Baltover it. Okay. Use the hashtag I'm Baltover it. Like Balto, but then after the O, right? Ver it. It's like this is like it's like I'm over it, but I'm and Balto, I'm over. Yeah. It's because like, like a lot of so the reason that I don't think this is a post-apocalyptic future is because it seems like this system relies a lot on like the, their economic system is what confuses me. That okay, yeah, it's non-existent. Nobody pays to mail anything. There's no no but currency why... changes hands at any time ever. And I think this also supports the idea of like a uh, uh, like a transhumanist furry Arctic colony because furries are cool like that generally. Right, but then why would you have performance reviews if? Like, you know, it just, it feels weird to have jobs. It does, but like the mail's got to get delivered somehow. Right. But like sorting the mail isn't the most fun because as far as I'm aware, they weren't allowed to listen to music while they did it. They weren't allowed to listen to podcasts while they did it. No. As far as I'm aware, they just sorted the mail in silence. But there are no podcasts to listen to because this is after the apocalypse and nobody's making podcasts anymore. Right. It's after the apocalypse. (laughs) Serial 2 comes out and it just destroys the entire world. Serial 2. This time it's serialless. Serial 2, Electric Murderloo. Serial 2, Return of... Wait, I got it. It's not Serial 2, it's Serials. Ah! You've done it! (laughs) Yes! It's a new podcast starring Sigourney Weaver. (laughs) Serials. Straight. So. So. Yeah, my theory is that this is pre 9 11 Arctic base inhabited by some really committed furries. Wait, Kat, what if everything has happened and everything will happen again? This is post apocalyptic. Pre 9-11-2. Kat and Kira proceeded to spend three whole minutes making very inappropriate jokes about movie sequels but with 9-11s instead of the actual movie franchise. <laughs> this is unusable. Just like a dick tentacle with a grasper on the end. <laughs> That's not true. That's pretty useful, as was evidenced by this movie. True, true. And if you're into grasper fisting, it's... <laughs> So anyway, we're in a communist post-apocalypse, pre-9-11-2, transhumanist furry colony. The walrus has been exiled for being too much of a capitalist. Right, which is why he's trying to drill baby drill. Yeah. And he wants to get the natural gas so that he can power his animal boiler. Yeah. To make stamp glue. Oh, that's why he targets the moose lady. Yeah. It is an entirely (laughs) parcel-based economy. It really is. Okay, 
Just so we can get the bare bones plot structure out of the way. Okay. 31 minutes into the recording. Okay. So basically, we start the movie centered on this little kid, Swifty, who is an Arctic fox and blends in perfectly with the snow. Absolutely people dumb don't piece see of him. Shit. He's sad about being not noticed, but he wears bright white clothing to blend into the snow. Like, what are you doing, Shifty? Come on. We never met his parents. Do you think he was an orphan? Is this the first generation of the transhumanist furry colony? And they start all start. <sighs> Are they born Some of them through were cloning? And like he's a defective clone who wants to pull sleds instead of just working on the production line. Maybe, but I mean, I mean, like because of like apocalypse, nuclear fallout, or something, everybody is sterile, so they have to like reproduce in a lab, and the babies get delivered by the male. Well, I feel bad for that poor dog if she has to be a surrogate for everyone. Which dog? The lab. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god, I miss doing this show. Uh, me too. <laughs> um... <clears throat> The thing is, okay, so I... We've entirely stopped doing the plot summary three times. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's just get it out of the way so we can focus. I, okay. Yes. Let's do this, and then okay. I have something I have to talk about. Okay. So, we're... Little Swifty wants to be a sled dog, but he's a fox, so he can't be a sled dog. He grows up. He gets a job at the post office. At the ABDL. Right? Abs. <laughs> no, that's adult baby diaper love. What's the fucking place called? Arctic Blast Delivery Service. I am having a very hard time that's, right now. That's okay. That's okay. Oh, God. Okay. So, yeah, he gets a job at the delivery company. And he thinks he's going to be a sled dog, but again, he's a fox. So the moose overseer is like, you're going to work the delivery line with those two idiots. The two idiots are a bear and a bird. The bear is like good at stacking and the bird is supposed to be doing the scanning. The bird is bad at... at the bird I think is the bird a, is a dodo. Absolute dipshit. Like literally, I think it's a dodo. Okay, that would make sense. Which I, I guess it was like a seagull or something. No, because the shape of his beak, I think he might be a dodo. We'll figure it out when we read the summary. Either way, yeah. that bird had a lot of like Johnny O'Mara playing a deliberately difficult character energy. <laughs> yeah, and I I think the the bird was my favorite character. He was very good. He wore, so, like, a bandana on his head for some reason. He wore, like, six bandanas on his head. <laughs> what so an we, incredibly cool guy. He, that, uh, uh, Swifty, our hero, improves the efficiency of the assembly line he gets put on by having them each do one job. There's a three-year time skip. Um, I wrote in my notes, he didn't get the promotion due to institutionalized transphobia. <laughs> um... Basically, the movie is Balto crossed with Wild Wild West. <laughs> yeah, because the puffins his... there are, there are puffins who are minion stand-ins also. Yeah. Uh, he after he doesn't get promoted, his like love interest slash childhood friend, the other fox, who is like a mechanic or something, an engineer. Yeah, has to mail a package, but she arrives at the delivery place after the delivery sleds have already gone out. And so mm -hmm. Swifty says that he will deliver it himself. 
despite not being despite weighing a measly 19 pounds yes that's true we we he did weigh himself yeah and he only weighs 19 19 pounds is it pounds or is it kilograms uh you know what it's probably kilograms I'd like to think that after an apocalypse, people would be smart enough to use the metric system. Nope. It's pounds. An adult, yeah, an adult Arctic fox weighs between 7 and 21 pounds. One of my cats weighs that much. <laughs> Arctic foxes are apparently very small. Yes. They're little guys. I mean, most foxes are pretty small. So he delivers the package, which ends up being addressed to the Mecha Walrus. Who we find out is, we, we, ha- we know his name because he writes a letter to Girlfriend Fox. What is it? His name is Otto Van Walrus or Otto Von Walrus. Otto- is he related to Otto Van Von Veen? These are legitimate questions. <laughs> is Otto no, Van Von Veen... No, because Otto Van Von Veen is cool and the walrus guy sucks. True. But is Otto Van Von Veen from this alternative and or post-future universe? Does Cats then yes. necessarily yes. take place yes. in a... Yes, yes, Cats is in this universe. Okay. So that's why... The... And there are different types of transhumanist anthro beings right yeah there are the there are the jellical forms and then there are the there are the taiga types and there are the jellical types and there are i assume other kinds of anthros i assume the transhumanists have found a way to engineer themselves into being circles if that's what their sona is yeah which furries cause the apocalypse which specific type of furry caused the apocalypse? Yeah, which, which sect of furries caused the apocalypse? I don't want to, like, single them out, because I understand that kinks are kinks, but I think it had to have been the diaper furs. Yeah. This is the most off-topic we have ever been on this show. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while since we recorded, so we've got a lot of chaos energy to sort of get out there. Yeah, I guess so. Um, okay. Back we, to the we quick were plot. Partway through. <laughs> yeah, we were, we're just running through the plot real quick. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, so he, he doesn't get promoted to sled dog. He takes a mail anyway. Um, delivers it to spider walrus. Yes. Then, like, gets threatened by the Puffin minions. Goes back home and gets yelled at. And I thought he got fired for taking the mail out unauthorized. But I don't know if that was the case. (sighs) Yeah. I think he... Yeah, I'm not totally clear on why he was... But he did come back the next day, so I think he was just, like, sent home early or something. Maybe. It's like, I don't I don't want to see you, but, like, we don't have capitalism, so there's not really a whole lot of point in firing you or anything. Right, like, get out of here. I don't want to see you for the rest of the day. Come back tomorrow and do your actual job or you're fired. Yeah. Something like that. Or, or just, like... I, I can't fucking deal with you today, buddy. Come back tomorrow and we'll see. Right. So, um, he then, oh, before he comes back to the post office, he goes and visits Fox's girlfriend to be like, hey, I delivered your package. Aren't I special? You should love me now. Yeah. He does a lot of, um, like, dis- he displays a lot of coercive, like, nice guy traits yeah yeah he's not good but i'm pretty sure he's voiced by jeremy renner so it might just be modeled after jeremy renner so yeah in the renner verse which is what i guess we're gonna call this one now (laughs) the renner verse so cats is in the renner verse is what you're saying yes okay unless it's in the web verse 
Mm. Is this movie in the Weberverse? Ooh, that's a good question. It's bad enough to be. It's nice guy enough to be. Yeah. But is it singy enough to be? I wouldn't know. Neither would I. As far as I'm aware, there was no singing in Phantom of the Opera when we watched it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ergo, this could theoretically take place in the Dame Andrew Lloyd Webberverse. So, at some point, the Puffins use sleep gas to kidnap all three of the delivery dogs. So, the Moose has no choice but to put Swifty on delivery duty. He has to deliver a package again to Spider Walrus. And, like, for some reason, an extreme amount of importance is placed on the pen that he brings with him. So here's my assumption. If we're taking it at face value that this is a post-apocalyptic universe, pens are are very, very scarce. So it's very important for him to not lose the pen. Exactly. That's I, I thought that, too. So he goes to deliver the package to the walrusman again. But the walrusman steals the pen. And then drops it. That rat bastard. At this point, Kat and Kira did five minutes about Star Wars and IP rights for the other podcast, Chicks with Dice. Check it out on your podcatcher after this. (laughs) Kat, Kat, what are we doing? Getting very distracted and not talking about (laughs) the movie. God, it was such a awful movie this movie was so bad (laughs) hey emma so when there was that whole section where we talked about campaign and the life expectancy of a jawa uh could you you just like you could just cut that you could cut cut that but like put in like a little like musical sting to like show time passing it'd be like do a spongebob of like x minutes later yeah do that. Do that. Yeah. That, that'll that'll be fine. Thanks, Emma. Love you. <sighs> Where were we in the plot? Oh, so he goes the into ice. the base to get his pen back, whereupon he discovers that the walrus has a plan to drill baby drill. Yes. Then he, like, runs back home. And tries to tell everyone, like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, the world's gonna get drilled. But they're too busy partying, because he completed a successful delivery run. And it was his first delivery run, he's now made an employee of the month because they can't survive without someone willing to do deliveries, and all the dogs are gone because they quit. Yeah. Uh, quit meaning they got, got kidnapped. kidnapped. Yeah. He does get drunk at that party. He gets very drunk. In a because remember, movie. three years in dog years is 21 years. So he is of legal drinking age, which is why they had to establish the three year time skip. Okay. So they could establish that he was of legal drinking age in the United States. <laughs> Where this does not take place. Or does it? It doesn't. The United States doesn't exist anymore. Okay, fair. In this timeline. Uh, Okay, we do see a picture of the globe, and the continents are in the same place that they were. Yeah. So there hasn't been a significant passage of time because there would be continental drift otherwise. Right. It's not a huge... It's not super... I mean, it's like a couple hundred years in the future, probably. A couple hundred... did, Did you say a couple hundred beers in the future? Also that... Hello listeners, this is Kat. Emma's on night shift this week, so she asked me to step in and do the mid-roll for her. It was a blast to record and we're delighted to get back to putting out our regularly scheduled episodes. We'd like to thank our newest patron, Erica Hoffman, for her contribution. Erica, thank you so much for your support. If you'd like to join her in supporting us on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash sosaysmedia. Listeners of this show will get exclusive Patreon cuts of all these episodes, and those patron cuts include all of the content that's just a little too spicy for the public release. So if that interests you at all, your support would go a long way for us. I also encourage you to tune in this Friday, November 27th, or on the YouTube archive for the Marking Out With My Girlfriend stream. 
We're going to be joined by Mikey and Charlie from Match Club Podcast to talk all about emotional storytelling and conscious decision making for a character. In truth, this means we're going to be talking a lot about Kenny Omega. So uh, you, you get what's on the box in this case. Uh, that'll be 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on twitch.tv slash sosasmedia. That's all I have, so I'll let you get back to me and Kira. Me and Kira. Okay, bye. So he gets, he like sees the, he, he wakes up the next day very hungover and is like, he makes his way to work. He got naked in front of his co-workers. Yes, he did. He makes his way to work to face what I assume is to, about to be a sexual harassment lawsuit. <laughs> it's a children's movie, and he got naked in front of his he's got He got naked he got a couple of times drunk. in this movie. I think he's just like a nudist. He's, mm. I mean, he's a little more feral than your average fur. <laughs> um, so... At this point, he wakes up the next day and global warming has happened overnight. Yes. Because everything is closed due to flooding. So he yeah. has to go figure out why everything is closed due to flooding. But surprise, surprise, his girlfriend was also kidnapped. Yeah. By Otto Van Von Walrus. <laughs> so there's this whole like a whole fucking thing. A whole fucking thing. They storm the castle, basically. Get captured. To try to rescue... Girlfriend. Yeah. And... They get attacked by the Puffins. There's a fight with the Puffins. Their... Snowcat slash snowball thrower gets knocked over. And... They get captured, rather than successfully infiltrating the base. While they're yeah. captured, they're kept in cages. Which is villainously ironic keeping anthro animals in cages yeah um whereupon they're like they meet up with the kidnapped delivery wool uh, delivery huskies they meet yeah. up with kidnapped girlfriend who was accidentally unbeknownst to her designing parts for the drill baby drill machine yeah which is why she had to ship the thing to the walrus that right one time because I assume in a non-capitalist economy, she just liked the challenge of being able to invent something new and work on stuff that was, like, old tech. Yeah. So, she I mean, she was the techiest person in the city. Absolutely. I, do, I think, like, all, all of the technology, like, all of the, like, you know, like... They had, like, Industrial kind of technology. Staters. They had, um... What are the thingers called? Transistors? Yeah. Like all of the all of the like industrial type technology was built by the walrus, I believe. So like because like the, the mail sorting machine was definitely built by the walrus. Yes. Because he was his backstory is that he was kicked out, kicked of, out the, of the walrus, of walrus society for wanting to build happy things because they and were also like spider legs. Yeah. I think walruses are capitalists. Yes. And he was an idealist who wanted to invent cool things. But when he went on Walrus Tank, Mark Cuban... What's a Mark Cuban pun we can do for a walrus? Uh... Imagine... Okay. Imagine that I just did a really good pun for Mark Cuban, but a walrus, listeners. Um, so Mark Cuban says... Uh, sorry, I'm gonna pass on all of his inventions. And then they eventually get sick of him coming on Shark Tank or Walrus Tank to, uh, to pitch his inventions, so they kick him out of Walrus society entirely. What about... He Shark makes his Shark way to Cuban. the post office. Shark Cuban? Is that anything? If there was a shark, then yes, but he's a walrus. I mean, walruses are basically sharks, but like... <laughs> They're like sharks, but not sharks, you know? Uh, no. But I'll take your word for it. <laughs> so uh, he goes to the post office where he finds a job. And that's like 
being the post office inventor. And then he pitches this idea for a thermo a geothermal powered pneumatic tube mail delivery system. And Moose Lady fires him for this. I don't because fully understand why. I don't. Does she fire him or does he quit because she won't build his invention? I don't know. It seemed like she like fucking kicked him out. Maybe because he had already started building it with company resources. Maybe. I don't know. Either way. He becomes evil because he was bullied a little bit. Because he wasn't allowed to invent geothermal powered pneumatic tubes. Yeah. So he decides to steal all of the geothermal energy and or natural gas again to sell to the United States. Right. Or whatever. The neo-United States. (laughs) The neo-New Mexico Technopolis. So... What the fuck? Computer, please. Um, this walrus guy attacks the town. The the male animals, male, like, uh, the delivery animals escape and stop him and then mail him to jail. Yes, they mail him to jail. Just addressed to jail? Mm-hmm. And then the 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 jail far away do not open um do not handle with care yeah yeah i think jail i think must be like some sort of post-apocalyptic prison city probably otherwise how would you know which jail exactly okay so um then at the end of the movie, because they have to have their uh, Zootopia moment, the mail service starts employing non-dog animals as mail deliverers. Yep. Carrying sleds of appropriate sizes. So there was this mouse who had a package smashed. Yeah. Because it was a mouse-sized package. That mouse shows up again at the end of the movie now as a mail carrier for mouse-sized packages to deliver yeah. to the other mice. It's perfect. It was cute. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's the general plot of the movie, right? <clears throat> uh, yeah. We yeah. That's there pretty was, much pretty there much it. Was, we we talked about them getting boiled alive almost because we we're gonna make them into glue. Yeah. For stamps. Okay. I I did something with this watch. What did I you did, do? I did an album sync. Oh. Um. So I originally got like half an hour through the movie and the pieces of the post-apocalyptic setting sort of started to um, take hold in my mind. And I realized I wasn't going to be able to just sit silently through the last hour of the movie. I had that problem too. I listened to Sea Shanties again. So I heroically i will say started the movie over but this time rather than sitting in silence i synced it to the album the source by arion oh which is a like concept album about a planet that um hands over control of all their resources and infrastructure and everything to a computer mainframe because they're having like some sort of crisis and the computer decides in order to solve the crisis, it's going to drive the people into extinction and it's an apocalyptic thing scenario, which I thought fit well with the post-apocalyptic setting. Right. Absolutely. Um, And there are a number of pretty good sync up points in the first half Less so in the second half, because in the album story, they uh, managed to like a a small group of them managed to escape off the planet in a spaceship and travel to a different planet and like genetically engineer themselves into aquatic animals to live on an ocean planet, Um, which actually did match up a little bit with the plot of the movie. Yeah, it did. Um, 
Anyway, the very opening of the album has wind blowing sounds, which was perfect for an Arctic setting. Absolutely. Um, and we got when in the beginning, when the when the male dogs first show up and Swifty is like snowboarding along with them, you get like a funky blues riff playing is really good um, during his his uh uh, his review mm-hmm. right when the earthquake happens there's a scream in the album excellent excellent um a song called everybody dies starts playing right after the explosion in the mail room right yeah, before he goes on his delivery um right as he wakes up after his hangover and there's like people like swimming in the water in town. The line, our future is starting an aquatic race comes on. <laughs> it's it was actually pretty fucking good. Yeah, that is very good. Okay. Also, it's a really good album and it's worth listening to. Send me the album. Um, here's my thing. I'm 99% sure that Swifty is a trans man because he fakes a nutshot. Oh, okay. When he's battling Otto Van Von Walrus at the top of the drill, right? Otto hits him in ostensibly in the nads with a snowball yeah. from a snowball gun. Does because their technology is snowball based. Real. I don't know when the last time you got hit in the nads by a snowball was. <laughs> uh, but, like, most of the time you're out for, like, at least two minutes. Huh. True. Especially one that's fired at a high enough velocity that it can knock people out. True. True. I feel like that would cause issues for anybody, though. A, a jump right, shot at that velocity. I mean, like, it's probably just hitting pelvic bone, right? I don't know. Or like thighs. Either way, I'm pretty sure he fakes the nut shot and then uses that as his like ruse to pull the you know electronics out of the machine and stop it from working, basically. Okay, he does like do a go invisible thing to to do that too. Yes, he does. He goes and he, he called back to the beginning of the movie. Goes invisible by getting naked in front of his coworkers again. Yeah, and nobody can see him against the snow because he's an Arctic fox. And but he is wearing tidy whities. An exhibitionist. <laughs> he's he is wearing tidy whities. So he's he's not just junk out. No, fully. and because it's a children's movie. Yeah, his junk is sheathed. Even though he was fully naked in the picture of the work party. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. This movie really is because he's a trans man. Morally ambiguous. This movie is nudically ambiguous. <laughs> it really is. Okay. Um, have you discussed all of your theories? Because my theory is that this is a nine eleven allegory. Yes. Wait, this is a 9-11 allegory. Not 9-11 specifically, but a Bush-era politics allegory. Specifically as it relates to the use of Arctic oil and natural gas. Okay. I can see that, for sure. Your theory is that it's a post-apocalyptic, furry, bioengineered, post-scarcity society? Yes. Here's I guess the can, other thing we can see which one it is. Yeah. Oh, but okay, here's my. It, it probably isn't either. Here's my other thing, though. They may all actually be like cloned, and they may have lost cloning technology, which is potentially why he doesn't have genitals. Oh yeah, that would make sense. Like the yeah, because the, they're all lab grown. Right. Right. And they were grown without genitals. Yeah. Also, that would explain why there are no further wolves or huskies to yeah. carry the sleds, because all of them are just 
on the end of their clone model. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, the, the the Huskies do actually end up retiring to a tropical beach and drinking drinks out of coconuts. Yes. It's a very good ending for them. Yeah, they... I mean, I don't know how comfortable a husky would be on a tropical island, but... No, usually you have to, like, give huskies ice baths during the summer. Yeah. We'll let it slide, because I mean, they're, they're, they're They're engineered, so, like, they've exactly. probably got a way to fix that. So they're genetically engineered to not have genitals, not be able to reproduce, and that's why society is, like, what it is. Yeah. Okay, do we want to... Cut for mid-roll. Emma will insert the mid-roll wherever yeah. it's appropriate. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> the mid-roll will happen when the mid-roll happens. Yeah, okay, so let's let's go into... Um, Tell me what this movie's about. Arctic Dogs. This movie came out in 2019. I know, how sad is that? The animation is real bad for 2019. Um, it was a box office bomb. Okay. Yeah. Arctic Dogs, right. also known as Arctic Justice or Polar Squad in the UK, is a 2019 computer animated comedy film co-written and directed by Aaron Woodley. Always a bad sign when it is written and directed by. <laughs> and it's on Unsound Theories. <laughs> yeah. The film stars the voices of Jeremy Renner, Heidi Klum, James Franco, John Cleese, Omar Sy. Michael Madsen, Laurie Holden, Angelica Houston, and Alec Baldwin. Woof. It was considered a box office bomb, grossing just $9 million against its production budget of $50 million and was panned by critics <laughs> for its cliched story and immature humor. Good God. <laughs> Fuck. Wow. Oh my God. Plot. Swifty, the Arctic Fox... Jeremy Renner, works in the mailroom at the Arctic Blast Delivery Service, but he has much bigger dreams. He yearns to become a top dog, the Arctic Star Husky Couriers. To prove he can do it, he commandeers one of the sleds and delivers a mysterious package to a secret location. Once there, he stumbles on a hidden fortress overseen by the nefarious Otto von Walrus, John Cleese. The blubbery evil genius commands an army of oddly polite puffin henchmen, Swifty discovers Otto von Walrus's villainous plans to drill beneath the snowpacked surface to unleash the, mas the masses of ancient gas to melt the Arctic and become the world's supreme ruler. To stop this sinister scheme, Swifty enlists the help of his friends, Polar Bear, played by Alec Baldwin. Cool a name. Neurotic, a good, neurotic good polar job. bear. Good job. Yeah, good job on that naming, guys. Right? A neurotic polar bear. Lemmy, played by James Franco, a scatterbrained albatross. Okay. Jade Fox, played by Heidi Klum, a brainy red fox engineer. Leopold and Bertha, who I think are the otters that we haven't talked about. Oh, yeah, far. we didn't. The fucking conspiracy otters, who I think were French. I assume they were some form, I, either that or Quebecois. They'd be wearing toques if they were Quebecois, though. Yeah. Anyway, two conspiracy theorist otters and Magda, his curmudgeonly caribou boss. Caraboss, if you will. <laughs> That's the entire plot summary. That's it? That's it. Plot summary is almost as bad as the movie. Mm hmm. Any awards? <laughs> <laughs> um. It was critically panned on the review aggregator website Rotten Tomatoes. The film holds an approval rating of 13% based on 16 reviews with an average rating of 3.09 out of 10. Metacritic assigned the film a weighted average score of 28 out of 10 based on four critics indicating generally unfavorable reviews. Audiences polled by CinemaScore gave the film an average grade of a B- on an A plus to F scale, we cannot trust audiences. Uh, well, we especially can't trust audiences on Amazon.com. Oh, can we not? No. Oh, this has a 4.4 out of 5 rating on Amazon. I assume mostly because of reviews that say the DVD arrived safely and was unscratched. 
Because no, all I'm gonna be very but there sad. are a lot of reviews saying the DVD was fucked up. to snort I, <laughs> it's officially an episode of unsound theory so. uh do you want to hear some really good reviews oh i would love to all right we have a five-star review from amazon customer titled god's family movie <laughs> okay hit me with that review my kids and i enjoyed the movie is that the whole review? That's the whole review. I like the title, God's Family Movie. Um, God's we have another review from uh, Xavier Hill, five stars, titled Arctic Dogs. The review reads, movie. Um, we have a three-star review uh, from Heather, who says, It was okay. My child turned it off halfway through. Okay. I wish I hadn't bought it, though. My child didn't even watch it all the way through. Which, well done, child. You have taste. Yeah, you suffered through... You lost less of your life, both as a proportion <laughs> and as a real number in the amount of hours to this movie than we did. Yeah. You get to live a little bit more. It, it was the person who reviewed that named Heather. Yes. Heather. Heather's child. I hope you enjoy those extra... I assume 45 minutes ish of living that the two of you get to do together because yep. you've saved yourself from something truly ungodly. Yeah, true. It's actually extremely godly cat. It's God's family movie. I don't know what God that they pray to, <laughs> but I disagree. Uh, and here's a review. That, this is a five-star review from Russell S., who is a top contributor, a top 500 reviewer even, titled okay. Lovely. <clears throat> this is five stars. Okay, hit me with that five-star review. If your objective is to teach your kids some object lessons, there are a few to be found mixed in here, along with some really great anima animation some really great voice characters, and some really great entertainment. This story is about an Arctic fox who longs to be one of the Arctic dogs who deliver packages to all over the Arctic. Needless to say, there is a villain wonderfully voiced by John Cleese. This is a wonderful tune for the whole family, and Jeremy Renner was very heroic as the Arctic fox. This person is a top 500 reviewer. <laughs> I don't understand how you get into the top 500 by reviewing movies <laughs> in a way that clearly indicates you did not watch the film. Really great animation? Are you shitting me? This movie was explicitly panned for bad animation. <laughs> I'm not even an animator, and I could tell the animation was awful. Like... How much do you want to bet that Jeremy Renner personally paid him? Needless to say, there is a villain wonderfully voiced by John Cleese. Do you think John Cleese paid him for a good review? Maybe. But he also says Jeremy Renner is very heroic as the Arctic Fox. Maybe they both paid him. This person is I... a top contributor to Star Wars, apparently. Oh? In what regard? How does one become it a just top says contributor top... to Star Wars? It just Wars? says top contributor colon star wars the movie franchise or the defense program from the 1980s i don't know what if this man is part of the reagan administration and is therefore a war criminal and that's why oh, he's given priority on amazon that explains it yeah are, are we are we making theories about the Amazon reviewers this now? Is person, that part of the podcast? This person has posted 2,761 reviews. They are ranked how, number 492 among reviewers. How much of your life do you have to give up to Jeff Bezos? Unpaid. 
before. One, one of his reviews is for an Amazon gift card. How much does Jeff take? How much of your few precious moments on this gay ball of hatred <laughs> do you have to give to Jeff Bezos for free before it stops being worth living? <laughs> Because I think it's less than what would get you to top 500. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, fuck Russell Because we have a beacon of light and hope in the world of oh, Amazon. Oh, God. Do you remember this man? We discovered this man on our last record. Jeremy Robertson. Oh, no. The man who is the most wholesome... He's extremely good. I love him so much. And we're going to read two of his reviews. I'm going to send you one. Okay. This is the new Bob G. But he's... instead of being terrible, he's amazing. Okay. I, he's, I prefer that he's dramatically. He's just extremely wholesome. Rather than Bob G. That said, I still sometimes say marriage you want to. I mean, yeah. Because <laughs> that one's a pretty good bit. <clears throat> uh... I'll this guy like... mostly reviews Goosebumps. Oh, okay. I like that about him. Yeah. Goosebumps is a good series. Good um, for him. Good for him. So, this is a review of Weirdo Halloween, uh, from uh, which is a Goosebumps Horrorland 16. A five-star review. Be prepared to be scared. If you think Halloween couldn't get any weirder than this, then you must be dead wrong. After two kids stumble into Jonathan Chiller's shop in Horrorland, they soon discover that a magical floig, a stuffed animal, a stuffed animated creature with buggy frog eyes, belongs to an alien called a weirdo, whom they later meet in the real world, where the two kids, Meg and Chris, are in serious danger. I would when like the a children discover that bim the weirdo feeds on human oh my god this is in the fucking apple verse bim the weirdo <laughs> feeds on human emotions they realize how easy it will be to make the pesky alien disappear forever as bim returns to his home planet meg returns to Horrorland on halloween to play a scary game for jonathan chiller if she wins meg gets to go home but if she loses she must stay in Horrorland forever someone is stealing meg's identity it turns out that Meg's twin is a robot. So Meg returns safely home where she belongs with her family and friends. What does Jonathan Chiller have planned for all these kids who will return to Jonathan Chiller's house to collect their payment? Find out in the next story arc and prepare to be scared. Jonathan Chiller. Yeah. Okay, so the review that you've sent me is for Goosebumps Hall of Horrors number one. Claws! <laughs> I assume that's how it's read because it is just titled Claws! Exclamation point. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a five-star review. There's always room for one more scream. Welcome to the Hall of Horrors, a place where the truly frightened and haunted kids stumble their way into an old castle hidden somewhere in Horrorland. The castle of the Hall of Horrors isn't found on the Horrorland map, but kids somehow always manage to find it. They're greeted by the Story Keeper. He's the Keeper of Tales. In the first story, called Claws, a boy named Mickey must look after his neighbor's cat, named Bella, while they go on vacation. With the aid of his best friend Amanda, who tags along to assist him, they must make sure that Bella has plenty of food and nourishment. And doesn't completely extinguish... I'm sorry. Doesn't completely extinguish the house? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. I don't think he meant to use extinguish there. But Probably we'll not. Slide. As easy as it may seem, this cat can be somewhat stubborn because one day, Mickey accidentally leaves a door ajar and Bella dashes outside. Uneventfully, the cat gets dispatched by a speeding truck. <laughs> Uneventfully. Uneventfully, the cat gets dispatched <laughs> by a speeding truck. The driver doesn't realize what he has done and tries to apologize to Mickey and Amanda. But the cat is nowhere to be seen as the truck driver goes on. 
Feeling with dread, Amanda and Mickey begin to panic. They go in a frenzy, but not to worry. Amanda has an idea that could save them from their tragedy. They discover their local pet store, Cat Heaven, that sells nothing but cats of all kind. So they decide to investigate. But when they accidentally find a hidden strange store room, storage room in the store, it's written with those commas. Um, yeah. yeah. Mickey and Amanda are in for a surprise when they find out a black cat that looks when well, they find. Nope. That's I'm going to read it as written. <laughs> <laughs> but when they accidentally find a strange hidden storage room in the store, Mick, Read it as written, cat. <laughs> but when they accidentally find a strange hidden storage room in the store, Mickey and Amanda are in for a surprise when they find out a black cat that looks exactly like Bella. But to their disappointment, the sales clerk refused to sell it to them. Because these special cats aren't exactly friendly. But they steal her anyways. They should have obeyed the store clerk because... The cats at Cat Heaven aren't really alive to begin with. But nobody told that to Mickey and Amanda. Now they're in for a shocking surprise when they find out that Bella cannot be returned to Cat Heaven because only its true owner can carry it out of the store. I won't give anything else away because I think you'll find that this story has a satisfying conclusion. Of course, the storykeeper will treasure Mickey's tantalizing tale for the Hall of Horrors. So go ahead and scream, because there's always room for one more scream in the Hall of Horrors. I love this man's reviews. It's, it, they just have such a good energy. Yes, and I, I hope me reading it as wholesomely as possible made for good podcasting. Yes, yes, yes. Because it's funny to talk about a horror story in like a very pleasant tone of voice. <laughs> Did we have anything else we wanted to talk about, or is a buck thirty-five good enough? Yeah, I think we did it. I think we did it. We done did the thing. We did it. I think. No, Simo, we did it. Did yeah. Don't sue me, Nickelodeon. Um, okay. I'm gonna end the recording. I'm out of brain. Thanks for listening. We definitely didn't. (laughs) Recording that part. The part about the pee shanties? Yes, the part where you said pee shanties, and I said, is that a song you sing while getting a golden shower? Yeah, well, now we've recorded it. Yes, we have. Good job, us.